2: even the Pharisees. Welcome to Leaving Hillsong. My name's Tanya and we are here to discuss Leaving Hillsong. This is part two of a one-star review with our special guest Luke. Today we're going to do a little bit of looking back again, looking back pretty closely and uh, it's kind of like Sound of Music, like, you know, how do you solve a problem like Mercedes, raindrops on roses, whiskers on kiddos, that kind of thing. Oh, man, the joke's getting bad. But if you like bad jokes and talking about, you know, toxic international systems, please make sure that you like, subscribe, share, and um, take away the number you first thought of. When it comes to leaving Hillsong, thank you, everybody, so much who contributed to Patreon and PayPal this week. It's the hardest thing because it's like the only, well, it's a community where nobody wants a shout-out. In fact, they want the complete opposite. So just a huge thank you to everybody. And uh, let's dive into part two of a one-star review because it's fun. I mean, we when we were talking before, we agreed we were going to drop some names. And by drop, I mean, like, throw them over the balcony. Ooh. One of the you, you mentioned a traveling evangelist that was a particular mm. influence on your uh, your life. That he's very prominent, but he's not really attached. You to, uh, do you want to do you want to start with someone who had that profound effect on your life?
3: Yeah, yeah. Look, before there was Marty Sampson, there was Christine Kane, and before there was Christine Kane, there was Pat Bloody Massey. <laughs> My God, let me tell you, this man yeah.
2: Yeah. was happened? a
3: gifted communicator. This man was a gifted communicator. This man could make you believe everything he said. Yes. And, you know, as as a traveling evangelist, that's absolutely what he was. He was funny. He was charismatic. He was, you know, like he he had everything. He was short. He had a funny voice to him. He made jokes about his heritage, being Italian. He was just everything you want to be, you know? Like it was... I loved him it, it was so infectious listening to him like i didn't yes. care what he was saying i just wanted to be in the room when he was saying it you know that's definitely something you want in an evangelist but i also think that was probably some of the weakness that pat's uh message had is that i don't necessarily know that people were converting because they believed in god after listening to him i think they were converting because they were just in the moment and oh my god this guy is so amazing and i, yeah. I just had to throw yeah. my yeah. hand up in yeah. like you know, crazy but like at one point, I think from memory, I was actually at CLC at Liverpool. I, I think it could have actually been elsewhere. Pat actually came to our church to preach. Okay and one of the things that i really thought was interesting was this idea of prophecy and prophesying over people and and speaking yeah. god's words into people's life now obviously now we know that that's just a, a another tool of the manipulation that the tool chest that they use you know it's 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 like a, a dominatrix in their tool chest well this is pratt's tool chest he, he he got up one day and know like all these people are down at the altar call and I can't remember what the altar call was for but I have a very vivid memory and this is probably what set me on my path to end up at Hillsong College. Pat pointed to me directly in the crowd and said to me young man be prepared to dream big dreams and to see God bring them to life. This guy who I had sat on the grass at Parramatta City the hallowed turf of Brian Houston's football team. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And this this man who, who, who entertained tens of thousands yes. of people yes. just looked me dead in the eye and told yes. me that God has a plan for me. It was the first time in my life that I'd heard that. My God, I was ready to conquer the world. I now look at Pat and I look at the things that he says and the things that he's done and it breaks my heart. And sometimes I'm one of those Internet trawlers that get stuck down rabbit holes very quickly. Uh huh. And I've gotten stuck down some of Mr. Mercedes' rabbit holes and come away from them feeling so depressed because oh, I believed this. Yeah. I believed what this man told me. Yeah, we all. It did. changed the decisions that I made with my life.
2: How so? Why? What happened? What did you do? I went to Bible college. Why? You can't. I went to
3: Bible college and well, no, no, look, you're right. I can't blame Pat. My dad also wanted me to go to Bible college. So instead of sending me to chef school, he sent me to Bible college.
2: Were your parents pleased with that prophecy?
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, Hallelujah. Yeah. See? <laughs> it made everybody happy. Even, okay. even Grandpappy, who lived in a little apartment. Everyone was like, oh, yeah. He's wow. gonna be right. You know, like we're and, all doing a uh, two-step shuffle.
2: He had an enormous and profound effect on tens of thousands of people. and
3: I would go so far as to suggest Millions.
2: There you go, Pat. Yet, you know, it's, it's sort of this travelling gypsy kind of figure that doesn't, you can't kind of hold accountable to anything. I, I guess for me, like, I loved Pat. I thought Pat was exactly like you're saying, like absolutely captivating, and Brian was mm. so boring. And yet,
3: yeah, I, we are. And Christine Kane was so boring too. Well. When Pat handed Youth Alive over to Christine Kane, she was energetic. Okay, Yes. And that's all she had for her, as far as I was concerned. It's not to say that she didn't have some interesting things to say, but I just wasn't as engaged with her because she didn't have that entertainment factor. Pat was an entertainer. Pat is an entertainer. And he's a mighty good entertainer. Even to this day, I am entertained by the absolute tripe that he vomits out of his (sighs) baseball. Yeah. (laughs) I find it really disheartening and really disappointing to hear what he says, but it's still entertaining. Like, hello, You're in cahoots with Monica Schmidt, brother. No one's going to take you seriously.
2: Well, you know, I mean, Pat is such an inspiration in that he he has kept on going for 40 years and he just takes blow after blow. I guess and that's he,
3: proof of God's forgiveness, right?
2: Well, that has a kind of a history that we won't go into but Google will help people, but it's you know, it's all out there in uh, We don't want
3: to we don't we don't want to get sued. <laughs> well, get sued
2: today we're bored of of lawyers, but um he he has also doubled up as a get rich kind of advisor, a you know, yeah. prosperity advisor and a preacher on weekends. Yeah, and,
3: and- and look, my dad was all about that Robert Kawasaki book. Brian's, you need more money, yes, you know, like yes. like it was, you know, like God's gonna make us rich. Yeah, yeah, I never saw I never saw God heal anyone. I never saw God make anyone rich. Did you go to healing meetings? I went to Benny Hinn meetings at Hillsong for goodness sake, and I still mm. never saw God heal anyone.
0: Mm.
3: So
2: yeah. you start going to Hillsong. What's that like? Do you just start going on your own because your parents aren't? Yeah, to
3: look, you? look, I. I so some of my memory is quite muddled here. So there is some, some timeline issues in we, this, yeah. timeline gaps. Yeah. There is a reason for that. I have purposefully suppressed a lot of this. Yeah. You know, this is, this is stuff that like, I don't remember most of my childhood oh. because I don't want to opening that book. That's like, I've burnt that book. That book doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Yeah. I, I came into existence at the age of 21. I was a fully formed adult 12. and everything else is just someone else's vivid imagination. <laughs> So so I'll preface the explanation of how I got to Hillsong with that.
1: Okay.
3: At some point around my 2021 20, years I had come out of high school i was fresh out of high school 18 was starting to do the whole Bible college thing applied for Hillsong you know started going to their conferences we'd heard more about Hillsong you know obviously through youth alive because youth alive was a, a Pentecostal movement that uh-huh. was supposedly interdenominational So that's how I heard about Hillsong Church. And in my brain, I'm thinking, oh, my God, there's a church that is exactly like this Youth Alive concert. I have to go there. Yeah. So after the Liverpool CLC thing all went down, I I started going to Hillsong Church. I'm 40 now, so probably like early 2000s. In fact, I was at Hillsong Bible College and I was sitting at my friend's house at 1.30 in the morning or, or thereabouts early in the morning when his mother called and said, are you watching the news? They just blew up the Twin Towers. Okay. I remember exactly where I was in that moment because I was sitting at his house, and the next morning we went to the library at the Hills campus, and everyone was just gathered around these TVs watching this whole thing unfold. So, so yeah, around the 2000, 2001 mark was when I was at Hillsong.
2: Do you just go on your own one day? Is that how it starts?
3: I mean, essentially, yeah. It it, it came out of wanting to do Bible college. And at this point, Liverpool CLC hadn't actually started their own Bible college. And there was a period there where I was going to Hillsong Bible College while still attending CLC. That's actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that's actually something that I need to bring up. There were dual influences here that were battling against each other. Well, because Liverpool did have a very Hillsong thing going on. And Hillsong was very much a yay we're the world leader in everything yay so the friction that you could it was almost electric you could feel the friction between two churches and very rarely would you see someone go from CLC to Hillsong or from Hillsong to CLC because just like I don't think I could be wrong but in my time at Liverpool I don't think anyone aside from Pat Masidi ever came to preach at Liverpool from Hillsong
2: okay Interesting.
3: Really. We had your Wayne Alcorns and we had your your Daddy Googs and your yeah, your, your Russell Evans and all, all those guys. Yeah. We had all those guys rock mm-hmm. up, but never anyone from Hillsong.
1: Hmm.
2: And yet John McMartin was on the state exec.
3: It does know, make me um, wonder whether or not the reason why we had no one from Hillsong is because Johnny Mac knew what happened and didn't agree with it. I would not be surprised if that's the reason why that friction was so palpable.
2: Because that's about the same time you're saying anyway, isn't it?
3: Yeah. I was sitting in the church just much like you. I was in the same building Mm -hmm. when Brian got up and told everybody about that. I remember listening to him talk about it and thinking to myself, oh, this poor man, this poor Pastor Brian, oh, my God. And it never, ever crossed my mind because he's standing on the pulpit, never crossed my mind. That's where his accountability ended.
2: Yeah, and I mean, and that's part of the reason why we talk about who founded what, and you'll see so much out there, conjecture and uh, statements about who founded what, because it's territorial and they don't want to be sued. So if they founded Hillsong and Frank didn't, that's where their accountability ends as well. Okay, I mean, it's interesting. I've actually had people say to me, were you there on the day of the announcement? Because some people walked away with a completely different interpretation of what happened.
3: That's called the Mandela effect. <laughs> my memory, and again, bearing in mind, we're going back to periods of my memory that I have made conscious and conceited efforts to suppress. Um, yeah so my memory of that that conversation that brian had and i remember he actually packaged it as i need to have a conversation with you church as though we were sitting down for a one-on-one coffee at the glory jeans down in northwest business park yeah
2: yeah very personal yeah
3: my memory of that conversation that he had with the church a very intimate memory was that there was no naming of the actual sin but it was very much implied
2: Okay, I mean, mine is it was a serious moral failure, and the only reason I had known that it was something to do with child abuse was because I had still some remnants of connections to people on the inside. But
3: so the interesting thought that I have about those people who swear black and blue that Brian mentioned the sin is that I believe that those people already knew. Because if you remember correctly, if you remember back then, Frank had disappeared for about a month before Brian got up and made the announcement.
2: I I wasn't around then. You tell me.
3: Mm. There was already rumours. People were already talking, and okay. there was the slight suggestion. Yeah. So I actually think that the people who were who were walking around going, "No, he definitely told everyone what it was." They probably heard that because they knew what he was talking about.
2: So you're serious about the Mandela effect? I mean, as far as I know, it was the Berenstain Bears, and I'll uh, put a link up to that. Mm. <laughs> what was Bible College like? What's what's it like in there?
3: Yeah, it was the beginning of my dreams. You know, it was the beginning of my my destiny. You know, it was an opportunity for me yeah. to get all of the things that you know, like Bible College to me was a it was a fix. You know, like bearing in mind at this point when I've gone to Bible College, I am seriously questioning my sexuality. I have already right. at this point done things with guys and I, I'm, I'm hating myself already at this point, you know, like I, at this point I just want some redemption. Bible college offered me that you know, Bible college was my opportunity. And I look, <laughs> I bought into it hook, line, and sinker. I remember meeting a couple who had come over for Bible College from South Africa, mm. uh, lovely couple, um, really enjoyed their company. There was this, South Africa must be saved. Okay. You know, like we were all going to go to South Africa. We were going to mm. save South Africa. I was actually mm. I was thinking about this last night, how delusional I was to think that, me, hey, I could save South Africa. Well. Because God told me I could.
2: Well, I mean, we like, all had this living example in front of us of Brian, who had come from almost nowhere with no skills qualifications. But,
3: but did we, though? Because what did he say? What, what country did he say?
2: <laughs> I mean, he was just going to yeah. go everywhere. And I'm particularly upset about South Africa. And I'm very wondering what's going on there, if uh, the dualies have left it. And, yeah, please don't save, please leave South Africa alone. Their, their pitch is family to South Africans who've <laughs> had, you know, two generations of people who've just died of HIV and grandmothers raising babies and family is just, it's just sick.
3: Here's one of the issues that I actually have, right? If you really want to save South Africa, then instead of getting up and talking about how gays are the devil, yeah. they'll put some money towards HIV research and actually save South Africa.
2: The image of a of an African man wearing a Hillsong T shirt that says you know happy to serve or something just is just devastating. While
3: he he probably lives in a a derelict house or a tent down the road because serving the white man. The the sad reality of it is, like, South Africa doesn't need God. South Africa needs some common sense
2: and some medicine and stuff. You're right. Okay, so how is Bible college after that? Then what happens?
3: So I started attending one of Hillsong's satellite churches, Mention under the tutelage of uh, Mr. Darren Kitto. Oh, Mr. Darren Kitto. Yeah. 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 So Darren and his wife had uh, had their two little girls. They would have been toddlers at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had this cute little church that was was starting to kind of gain a little bit of track. probably about 100, 150 people and. And I met a lovely girl there who I thought was going to be my future wife. And, yeah. you know, like all, all ideas of, of being gay were just out the window. Like, nah, I've, I've found my lady. I've found yeah. my calling. We're going to run the children's ministry together. We're going to start preaching together. You know, this is, this is our life. And Darren decided that he didn't like me and my girlfriend being together. And after I proposed to her and she said yes, a couple of days later, Darren and, and my girlfriend's mother had a conversation. Darren broke us up. Sarah wow. moved me over to Craig what? Woods' church down the road at St Mary's. So, you so just... oh yeah, yeah. What? Because what? you, you got to understand, you got to understand. Every single life decision, if you're in leadership at Hillsong Church, has to be approved and signed off by your superior.
2: How long have you guys been together
3: before you proposed? Oh, about three years, I think wow
2: and they just what zoom in and say no and separate what did she say what did she do
3: well she was a good little christian girl is one of the things that i liked about her she was kind of a little bit country although she wasn't country it's one of the things i liked about her she was just such a sweet girl and i really enjoyed her company and you know like we had so much in common and but she was also extremely obedient um the, the reason why i look the reason why her mother didn't like me was because I was the person who held her hand and encouraged her and walked with her while she went to her mother and told her mother that her father was sexually assaulting uh, her.
2: Was her father a good Christian
3: man? Her father was horrific, but he oh. was supposedly a good Christian man. Oh. And, and see, this is the thing. Like, her, the mother and father did their divorce thing and, you know, they separated. I actually think somewhere down the track they got back together again. Which I think is the most disgusting thing that you could do. You know, your husband just raped your daughter and you're gonna get back with it. Okay, I, cool. I, I,
2: see, and this is why I get frustrated that the media hears about uh, you know, inappropriate. These are the kind of life situations that can just tear people
3: apart. You know that Darren Kiddo was Brian's left hand man, yeah?
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like
3: on Sunday nights, we wouldn't have church at Minchinbury. We'd go to Hills. Darren and Dion were the two big heavies that were like Brian's left and right hand security guard, big man, you know, wandering in through the crowds, you know, keeping everyone away from him because that's exactly how Jesus was, yeah? Jesus had security guards that kept people away from him, yeah? Mm. I was really fascinated to hear that one of the people who resigned in disgust at the latest Hillsong board meeting resigned from the board was Darren Kiddo because I'm like, oh, yeah. my God.
2: How, I mean, he, he resigned a few months ago. How do you know it was in disgust?
3: Well, I mean, I can only assume. That is an assumption, of course. Do
2: we know how that all worked, if he was removed? or I have,
3: I have no idea if he was removed. But, I mean, I, I know okay. that he might, from what I read, I know that he resigned, or at least I believe he resigned at the same time that Ben resigned, mm-hmm. which I think happened quite recently.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, in the last few months. So then after that, you go start going to a different church. You're not allowed to go to church under the man who just broke up your engagement. Huh?
3: Well, it was really interesting because, like, I remember there was a point where um, Darren was taken out of Minchinbury and I thought, I think he was brought back into the fold at Hills,
2: okay. which is interesting because it's, it's almost
3: like he was sent to Minchinbury as punishment and now that you've done your time, you can come back home. Uh, he sent you to a church down the road, didn't he? Which was another Hillsong church at St Mary's run by Craig oh. Woods and Craig ended up taking over Minchinbury and... Uh, St. Mary's, and I believe merging them at one point. I, I, I know for a while there he was literally preaching at one, jumping in the car, driving up the road, preaching at the other. I will say Craig Woods was an absolute legend. Okay. Craig Woods was one of the first, like, you know, when you, you go all the way back in my history, like we'll, we'll talk about Berea Christian College and, and the Christian Life Centre in Minto at another time. But you go back to Adrian reed who ran that joint. For all those who know who Adrian Redike is... Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're going to go there. And then you go, you know, again, like I said, wasn't really at Mount Annan for long enough to build any real connection. Then you go Tepper, youth pastor at Liverpool CLC. Then you go Alice, the children's pastor at CLC. Mm -hmm. Then you go Darren, you know, the the pastor at at Minchinbury. It wasn't until I got to Craig that I found someone who genuinely wanted to look out for me and who was – Okay. there to support me and help me through some tough times mentored me and he met me for coffee and you know like that that thing that everyone wants to have with Brian where you get to go down to Gloria Jeans and have coffee with him. <laughs> I had that with Craig
2: it sounds like you were looking for something what were you searching for in this place like it,
3: why am I why, purpose yep, why am I yep. here why am I here what am I doing here if God has put me on this earth what the hell for and if yeah. God has put me on the earth Why did he make me the way? And this is the thing, you know, like every now and then I'll have conversations with Christians who like to tell me that gay people are, are an abomination or, you know, like for a period of time then, my mother used to say to me, she doesn't anymore because I cut her off for 10 years, used to say to me when I was on the phone to her, I love you, even though you're going to hell.
2: Oh my God. And
3: I flipped my shit at her. I flipped. And I said, listen here, lady, say it again. Say it again and see what happens. And? So... Well, she said it again, and she didn't hear from me for years.
2: Okay. I'm so sorry to hear um, that. You see, it, it just tears families apart.
3: Fast forward a little bit, yeah? Like, my, my family are not really involved in any church anymore. My family still consider themselves to be Christians, but can I tell you, so there's, some, there's something in the Bible about, you know, the, the measure of a... a, a a a good family, a good family man being their kids and how their kids grew up and what their kids turn out like, then if that's gospel, if that's how you measure a man, then my dad is a deeply flawed person. He has a gay son, he has a drug addict daughter and he's got another son, another daughter who just do not give an absolute flying rat's a about any of this religious crap. So all four of you have not... All four of us. I'll tell you the moment now, bearing in mind at this point, my parents already know that I'm gay. I've reconnected with them. You know, there's, there's the beginnings of some reparation there between my mom and my dad and myself. And then the marriage equality vote comes up. And I remember, I remember talking to my dad about this and saying to him, dad, this is not about whether or not I'm allowed to get married. This is about if I have a car accident and my partner is the only person in the vicinity, is he allowed to come and visit me in hospital when I'm dying?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I had to put it in those terms for him to get it. And he's like, it's okay, son. I got it. I got it. Mm-hmm. I find out two or three years later, he got it all right. He voted no for himself. Okay. And he actually took my mum's ballot and voted no for her as well and didn't tell her that it arrived.
2: <gasps> she found
3: out after the marriage equality vote happened and said, well, why didn't I get one? Oh, man. Because my dad filled it out for her.
2: I wonder if that's a crime, but still,
3: it is a crime. It is a crime.
2: I mean, I think male theft is a federal crime. Uh. Mm.
3: Uh-huh. so you know, like there's, there's, there's a lot to talk about there. There's, but like, probably, probably the biggest thing that concerned me is I'm, I'm not a practicing Christian. I don't believe in God. Mm. I, I think if there was a God, like one of, one of my heroes at the moment is Stephen Fry, and I love the things that he says uh, right. about the existence of God. You know, like he was asked about whether or not there is a God and if he dies and he goes to the pearly gates and God himself comes down and greets him. Uh, and what would Stephen Fry say? And Stephen Fry's response is bone cancer in children? Yeah. What's that all about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, so you know yeah. that that concept is is what I subscribe to. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea of me being on my deathbed and having my parents having the right to overrule my partner. When right. it comes to the terms of my funeral, disgusts me. The idea that that was even a thing up until a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah.
3: The fact that my parents could have forced a religious funeral on my dead body and my partner would have had no say in it. Okay. That's why wow. it was so important that marriage equality happened. Because it's not just marriage equality, it's equality as a human goddamn being.
2: Yeah,
3: absolutely. So, you know, to all those wow. all those Christians wow. and former Christians who listen to your podcast out there, you know, the, the, the one thing that I really want to impress on you is that whether or not you believe that we are an abomination to God and whether or not we are the epitome of hell, you got to ask yourself, is God perfect? Tanya, is God perfect?
2: Well, say, during... The bushfires, the koalas were screaming. So I have to say no. I'm going, it's a no from me.
3: <laughs> right, Simon Cal. But the thing is though, like a lot of Christians believe that God is perfection. He is omnipotent, he's omniscient, he knows everything, is yeah. everywhere, is everything. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. So if God is perfect, does God make mistakes? Most Christians will answer with no, no, he doesn't make mistakes. I'm like, okay. So why am I gay? Let me tell you something right now. And we, we were talking about this during Pride Month, and I was actually kind of tempted to come on and talk to you about this during Pride Month. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you right now, with everything that I've gone through, my conversion therapy, being spat on, being abused, being told off, being, you know, being told I'm going to hell, you know, all the horrible things that I've, I've, I've been a part of, having to fight tooth and nail just to be accepted. Do you think anyone in their right mind, and believe me, I'm in my right mind, do you think anyone in their right mind would choose to be gay? Yeah. Even... I'd be straight if I could choose. If, oh, if it was a choice, oh, honey. I would choose to be straight tomorrow.
2: Oh, man. Even still, after all this time. Even
3: even still. Even still. If it was a choice, I would choose to be straight because I can then just slide straight back into humanity without anyone ever questioning my oh, mind. Because that's who we are as humans. We're constantly questioning each other. We're constantly looking for ways to take advantage of each other. And it's a very rare function. <laughs> <laughs> let me rephrase that it's not just it's not humans who are like that because some of the most incredible people that I've ever met some of the most loving and caring and maternal and paternal people that I have ever met in my life would never dawn the friggin' doorstep of a church ain't that the truth
0: uh
2: Luke
3: yes my love
2: we haven't done the when did you leave Hillsong and uh
3: oh. <laughs> Uh, Can I be honest with you and say that I actually don't remember. I don't remember when and I don't remember why. I just remember I had to get out of there.
2: Yeah. Okay. Why is that? I mean, what was the feeling like?
3: The The feeling was, and this is a really fascinating feeling, the feeling was Bible college students getting their first opportunity to preach by doing the giving message
2: oh lord
3: that's how important money was to hillsong you needed to prove that you could preach by wow. preaching about how much wow. we need more
2: money all right first. okay Whew. brutal
3: yeah and you only get to that point after you've done your service period now while all of these wonderful incredible people were going to hillsong conference The poor schlubs who were working 18-hour days to pull that conference off were all your Bible college students who were paying for the pleasure of being slaves. One of the the ways why I knew that Darren Kiddo had it in for me was I was on the security detail. Mm -hmm. And there were very strict instructions. You are not a person. Don't get me wrong. They never said this. They never said that you're not a person but they certainly made you feel like you weren't a person because you are not there to talk to anybody for any reason, except your direct supervisor. You do not engage with the special guests. If they say hello to you, you are to say hello back very quietly and then let them move on. Now I love music. And at that point in time, delirious with the, they were the band of the moment. Yeah someone out there is going to crank up the google machine Ah. and find out what year it was that delirious were at hillsong conference that was the year i was on security detail in the green room and i was so excited that delirious walked in that i actually said hi i was removed from there within five minutes and i was put on security detail of an elevator that nobody used in the back halls of the bowels of the bloody superdome.
2: if that isn't scientology style i don't know what You've got a lot to say. I hope.
3: um, hope, Why do I.
2: (laughs) No, and it's fantastic because you make me sound like, you know, Tinkerbell kind of sweet and uh, (laughs) very friendly. It's been fantastic talking to you and we will keep going. Like I hope that this doesn't kind of disturb you too much going back in the memory bank, especially when you've, like you said, you've deliberately suppressed it. I always found that, you know, it's like, you go back and it's like putting your hand down the sink to try and get your ring because it fell down the sink and then when you pull your hand back out there's like all this stuff on your arm and all these extra memories and stuff so promise me you'll take yeah, look, yourself up I've,
3: yeah absolutely and look the only reason why i'm talking about it now is because i'm comfortable in the person that i am now yeah. and i've got a good support network around me you know the, oh, the next time we have a chat there are some some darker stories from my actual childhood from Uh, you know kindy year four and you know that that sort of stuff is some really deep dark horrible shit that went down and I've got a really good support network and I've shared some of that story with well most of that story actually with with one person in particular who has just been a massive support to me and and someone who uh, just completely changed my life basically my adopted Parents. I now live in Melbourne, and you know when I came down here, I, you know, I was parentless because you know, like I'd, I'd cut my parents off. I moved down here in out of rebellion after after leaving the church and embracing my homosexuality. And I remember in the early 2000s bringing a a boyfriend to Christmas lunch, which wasn't very well received. It was even less well received because he was a goth. So you know. But when I when I moved down to Melbourne, uh, I, I found my tribe down here. I found people who were interested uh-huh. in some things that I was interested in, some sci-fi and stuff like that, and and fantasy and all that kind of stuff. And you know, there was a, an elderly couple who really kind of became mum and dad to me, and they've they've been such a strong emotional support for me. And and in some ways, they were the parents that my parents were never allowed to be. And you know, there is a bit of bitterness from me towards my parents, and we'll go into that at a later date. But I also realize that my parents were suffering from the same need to be accepted by their God that I was. Yes. So it's really hard for me yes. to remain bitter towards my parents. In fact, if anything, I pity them. I empathize with them, but I pity them because you know, they're in their 50s and 60s now and they've never achieved the things that they felt God had for them. Yes. I refuse to be that person. I, re- I refuse to be anything like that which is why I now live a perfectly atheist life. I have absolutely uh, don't even for a single second in my life have to stop and consider. I wonder if there is a God should I try and, you know, like mm-hmm. cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, just in case I do die. And I go to hell? man. Like I, I've mm-hmm. been to hell. I live in heaven now. You know? hell, hell was, hell was when I was 10, 12, 15, 20, 23. Yeah. I'm 40. I'm 40 now, and I'm the happiest I've ever been.
2: Yay! Yay! I'm so happy to hear that. That's so wonderful. Let's end on that wonderful, wonderful note. Thank you, Luke.
3: We'll talk soon. Pleasure. Yeah? Look, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've, I've, I've really, really enjoyed delving into a bit of my backstory and sharing a bit of my story with you. And look, Tanya, I just want to—I want to give you a huge shout out as well because I reached out to you months ago. And and I think one of the first things I said to you was that listening to the people that you've had on your podcast uh, six or so months ago, when I first started listening, really made me realize that I'm not broken. Mm. You know, I I sent you a message a few months ago, which I think you actually read out on air. But the biggest, and, and and I'll say it again now, the biggest lie that the Hillsong Church and any of these Pentecostal church will tell you, is that aside from God, you're alone. Mm. And you and what you've done and the people who you've had on your podcast have reminded me that I'm not. No. So thank you for that.
2: Oh, look, thank you. It's an, I mean, that's, that's the hope of the whole thing and that's where I started thinking there's got to be somebody else out there somewhere. So I'm so glad you found us and I'm so glad you've become one of those stories that people can listen to and find hope in. Thank you so much. Thanks, Luke. Talk soon. Anytime. Yeah, sweet. Bye. <laughs> uh, bye. <laughs> Isn't he great? And he'll be back because he's actually got, uh, those were the warm-up stories. Uh, those were the things that, that Luke was able to discuss on our first meeting. So you can tell now there's so many more people coming forward and, Yeah, And I really would invite the leaders, the pastors, the men of power, the women of power, the women who benefit from the power, really invite you to come and have a chat with us on Leading Hillsong and hand yourselves in because it looks like if you don't tell your version of events of what happened at the church where you stood up and asked people for money in the name of God and told them what to do... If you don't tell your version of events, somebody's going to tell their version of events of what happened around you. And it's so unpredictable when people put two and two and a tithe together and realise that, you know, they got robbed. It's it's so very different when different people come forward. So, you know, we need some kind of truth and reconciliation committee like they had in South Africa or or something, some kind of amnesty because there's so much damage. But, you know... The stories will come out. It is going to all be dragged on out into the sunlight one way or another. So best you boys repent and uh, turn away and come and have a chat with us because things are getting more serious. Have a fantastic week. There's so much content coming up, lots of different and exciting and interesting stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our little show. And uh, I hope you got something out of it that you can use to be kind to yourself, to be kind to other people, or for keeping on leaving song. We'll talk soon. Bye.